You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Well, good morning, Cypher Christian Church. How are we doing today? Well, a good Labor Day weekend to each and every one of you. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like it's going to rain, might put a damper on some of your plans here this weekend, but we're glad that you're here today. Why don't you find a seat? Find a seat. Good grief, you guys. Such social butterflies. Man, I wasn't really serious when I said find somebody and say hello. No, I really was serious. It's good to see everyone, to kind of catch up with everyone and to meet new people and be a part of the body of Christ. We're glad that you're here with us today. We want to welcome you. If this is your first time and you're a guest at Cypher Christian Church, uh, greetings, welcome. My name is Kevin Gallimore. I'm um, the community pastor here at Cypher Christian Church, and I just want to thank you for making time to be here to worship with us. We have a gift for you. This is your first time here. Uh, we just want to show our appreciation for you being here with us today. And if you could fill out one of those connection cards in the back of the pew and take it to the uh, welcome uh, welcome table out there in the foyer. We have a gift for you that you can take home and, and hopefully just be a reminder of how grateful we are and, uh, and how we are excited for you to potentially be a participant in the body of Christ here at Cypher Christian Church. One thing I want to highlight today, see it in your bulletin, is this is finally the, the launch, the start date of our signups for life groups. Now, life groups at Cypher Christian Church are, are small groups. And if cultivating fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ is the heartbeat of our church, then our life groups are sort of the flesh and blood of that. They're the primary way that we're cultivating disciples at CFCC. And I want to encourage you to take a look at the different opportunities, the different life groups that are available. They're led by different people on different days of the week, over different topics, different frequencies, in different places. And so hopefully you can find a place that's right for you and get plugged in. Now, here's the cool thing about these life groups. You're not married to these life groups for life. Sometimes when you sign up for a small group, you feel like you're signing up until Jesus comes back, right? Well, these life groups meet for eight to 10 weeks. There's a start date and there's an end date. And after that end date, we have a little break because everybody, including the leaders and the group participants, need a little bit of a rest. And so this is an opportunity for you to try out getting involved in a life group, making connections, um, making and developing friendships and finding a place where you can really share um, the, the needs that are on your heart and grow in your discipleship with Jesus. So check out our life groups. You can sign up through our app. You can sign up online or you can sign up in person. Donna McNabb and Arnie Benson, I think, are going to be out there at the table and help you sign up and answer any questions. One thing I do want to highlight in all of these life groups, there is one in particular, Financial Peace University, that's going to be starting here in the fall. Great, great, great class. Kind of on the heels of our stewardship series that we did a few months ago. This is a great way to begin applying sort of what we learned in real life practical ways, how to be a good steward with the finances God has given you. The thing about this class is there is a 
there's a tuition fee, right? There's a, there's a fee to purchase the materials and those kinds of things. It's $90 per couple. So I want to let you know before you, you sign up for it. But I'm telling you, it's a game changer, okay? It is a game changer for you and your personal finances at home and how you can use them to glorify God. Good morning. Um, I have a confession. Is that okay? We're all church family and friends, right? So um, the confession that I have is, is I like to shop. And not that it's important, but the merchant that I like to shop with, it reminds me, it rhymes with gold gravy. And they really know how to, how to get to me. And they, um, I kind of think of the, if you've ever heard of this story, the um, Odysseus in the Odyssey. And when he had to sail by the sirens, and the sirens would sing their beautiful songs from their island, and the, they were, you know, would sing, and the sailors would get pulled in and sucked in and, and brought to their doom because they got off track. And that's, for me, with this gold gravy, 50% off. There's still time. Um, if I'm not careful, I can use, you know use the money that should go to God's kingdom for my own glorification, right? And that's not what anybody wants. Um, I, a dollar spent over there is money that's not spent here or spent somewhere else. And um, I don't want to be like the prodigal son, just, you know, living, you know, living wild and carefree. Um, I, I need to be... Um, mindful to use my my resources in the service of his kingdom would you pray with me father god you are all that we have all that we have is you please use these small tokens as um to further your kingdom father and to increase your glory it's in your son's name that i pray amen well good morning how are you guys doing today are you awake yet? It's a little dreary outside. I'm going to be watching. See you close your eyes. I know. It's just kind of sleepy weather. But I'm glad that you're here today. We're going to be closing out our series, This Is Us Today, with our final chapter. Uh, if you haven't seen the show, the show is, we're not getting paid by NBC at all for this, by the way, in case you were wondering. Uh, this is a great show, though. It's a show that talks about all of uh, the, the troubles that a family goes through, all of the warts and all of the, you know, just the ugly things about family. But at the end of the day, they're still family and they manage to work through it. They grow from these different difficulties. They forgive one another. They give one another grace and they're thankful for one another. And that's sort of a picture that we have for the body of Christ. It's not always easy. You know, we're, 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 we're sinners. We're, we're people, and we fail each other and we stumble. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're family. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. When we started this, uh, Dale preached the, the first sermon a couple of weeks ago. And we learned that you and I were created for community. We're cre created for relationship. Even you introverts out there, okay? This is for you. We're created for one another. And when we live life on an island alone by ourselves, we're not living the way God intended for us to live. So you and I were created for community. Now, Dale said something provocative that one particular Sunday that I want to point out. He said that our, 
our relationship with one another, our, our, our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ is actually stronger than the relationship that we have with our physical brothers and sisters. Whoa, I don't know if you caught that, but this spiritual bond that we have in Christ is going to outlast the physical blood bond that we have with our own families. That doesn't mean that we won't be family with them. That just means that it is even stronger, okay? It's even stronger than that bond. And it's hard for us to even imagine that. Um, we're gonna be spending, if, you, if you're struggling with one of your brothers or sisters in Christ, you need to, to sort of at least acknowledge that you're gonna be spending eternity with this person, all right? And you're gonna have to wrestle, you're gonna have to go to God and wrestle with him over that fact. And so, whether you like it or not, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, sealed in Christ for eternity. And that really is a blessing. The second thing that we learned in the second week was not only were we created for community, but community runs deep. Okay, so, so it's not enough for us to just have these sort of superficial interactions with one another one day a week coming together in worship and saying hi and singing and then going out the door. We gotta bear one another's burdens. We gotta be praying for one another. We need to be going and, and, and serving one another. We need to be worshiping together, but it has to be more than that. We have to be in it. We have to be doing life with other believers. Community runs deep. We need to be committed in prayer Dale reminded us we need to be committed to God's word and we need to be committed to spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. Now we define, we, we define that at Sci-Fi Christian Church. It's, it's not just sort of a phrase that gets tossed out there. You know, we like to think that we're all very mature. We've been Christians for a very long time. We're very mature Christians. We're very, very godly people, very holy, very set apart people. But spiritual maturity is... Is it's not just sort of knowing God's word. We define spiritual maturity as applying what you're learning about God's word. Okay, so it's 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 not just about going to these Bible studies and gaining all of this information and all of this data and knowing all the books of the Bible and knowing the genealogy of Jesus and, and knowing all of the, the history of Israel. Yes, it is that because that opens our eyes to who God is. But if we're not applying what we're learning about Jesus, then what's the point? If we're not applying the, even the simplest, most basic concepts of, of what we're learning from God's word, then we're not growing, okay? And so we need to be, community runs deep. We need to be committed not only to one another, but in all of those other areas as well. Today, I want to close out this series, This Is Us, with one final aspect, one final facet of community, and that's this, that community runs broad. It doesn't just run deep, but it runs broad. And I want to look at a scripture out of Revelation chapter 7. And so, um, you know, I was thinking about how to do this. I'd actually like for you guys, the scripture's gonna be up on the screen. You can turn to it if you like. It's Revelation chapter seven, verse nine through 11. But the words are gonna be on the screen. I want you guys to stand with me as we read this passage, okay? 
And there is a part in this passage that's going to be indicated for you, okay? And I want you to read it with gusto, whatever that is. Do we use that phrase in any other way? What is gusto? I want you to read it with whatever that is. I want you to read it loud. I want you to read it with enthusiasm. I want you to shake the roof on this place, okay? Because when you start to see this passage in its context, it compels us to read it out loud like this, okay? So you're gonna see your part on screen. I think it's gonna be indicated for you, all right? It goes like this, this scripture out of Revelation chapter seven, verse nine. And it says, after this, I looked and behold, John says, this is in his revelation that God has given him. He says, I look and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, symbolizing victory and crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. Amen? Amen. Right on. Have a seat. Now, this passage has been a source of great debate and discussion and conversation. Who are these people that the scripture talks about, this great multitude? The Jehovah's Witnesses believe it's the 144,000 of, of their followers that have been redeemed there are Sabbatarians, people who worship and honor God on the seventh day, who, who believe that this number is their people who are worshiping. There are some people that believe this is the redeemed of all the ages put together, past and present and future, gathered together, worshiping the Lord. Some people believe it's the Jewish believers who are saved and sealed for service during what John calls the great tribulation. There are more views, obviously, on the book of Revelation than we could even count. So I don't care if you are pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, amillennialist, preterist, futurist, dispensationalist, I don't care. That doesn't matter to me today. What matters is that Jesus Christ is coming back. And this is what is going to take place when the redeemed, marked by the blood of the Lamb, stand before the risen Christ. That's what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. Now, some may say, you know what, I don't really need, revelation, shmevelation, I don't really care, it doesn't matter to me, it doesn't affect me, it doesn't affect how I live today, okay? That's what's going to happen, it's already been written, who cares? I'm just going to live my life. And what I want to say to you is that this passage 
is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, Paul says in Timothy. All scripture is God-breathed, including this one. And so if that's the case and you believe that, for those other scriptures, you need to believe it for this one. And you need to take it into account. And the second thing is, this passage gives us a picture of what to live toward. What we are to live toward. Yes, the ending has already been decided. The victory has already been won, but we've got to live toward it. We've got to lean into it. And it's got to give us a sense of urgency. This passage, this, the book of Revelation should give us a sense of urgency knowing that there is an end date, okay? There is a deadline here. And, and history and everything in this world is moving toward this moment, Okay, And it should stir up within us a sense of urgency. And in this scene, this multitude is a number that no one can count. I love that. I love that it doesn't even give us a number. There's places in scripture where it gives, gives us an estimate or gives us a number of how many people. And in this passage, it says, I don't even know how many people were there. There was a huge, vast throng, a multitude of people there that no one could count. God just gives us the scale. He doesn't give us the number. He just gives us the scale of this thing. And this is going to be a gathering of both invisible and visible believers, the believers who've gone before us and the believer, everyone coming together in this moment, standing before the living God, worshiping him. And all these people, All these people are broken people. They are busted and disgusted people. They are people who have failed miserably at things. They're people who have been filthy in their sin, and they've all been brought to the same place by one person, Jesus Christ. And so if you've been in church for any length of time, for any length of time, you understand that church is pretty messed up. It can be pretty messed up. You got, you got Democrats mixing it up with Republicans. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You have millennials mixing it up with octogenarians. How many octogenarians do we have in here? Don't be ashamed. Don't be, don't be ashamed. Raise your hand. Let's give him a hand. Gary, you ain't no octogenarian. How many millennials do we have in here? Do you consider yourself a millennial? Now, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. No, I'm just kidding. All right, we got a few millennials in here. Church is a place where Texans fans mix it up with cowboy fan. It's true. It's true. Don't raise your hand, cowboy fan. Oh, come on, man. This is the only place where that kind of stuff, these are not groups of people that would ordinarily mix up with one another, right? We have much more diversity than that, but you get my point. This is, these are not groups that would typically mix up with one another, and yet they do in church. And not only that, we're all sinners. We've We've wounded one another. Some of the greatest hurts that you may have experienced in life 
come from where? That's right, the church can hurt because it's family. It runs deep. But you know what? Some of us who've been hurt by the church have wounded others too. We've wounded others. But no matter how good you are, no matter how justified you think you are, no matter how right you think you are, we're all broken. I heard a pastor say, we're just dressed up dirt in a mess in progress. (laughs) We're all broken people. We've received grace and we need to give grace to one another. The church is a mosaic of broken pieces. How many of you have seen that cross up there on that that wall? Turn around and look at it. You may not have seen it. As you walk out, it hangs over that door. That cross was made, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago or so. Everybody that took part in it took pieces of pottery and clay and things and broke them and, and brought them. And we pieced it all together. And it's really an image of what the church is. It's a It's a mosaic of these broken pieces that God has reassembled and made into something beautiful. We're all broken jars of clay that Christ has united under his blood. So Revelation chapter seven, verse nine, you may have had a picture in your head of this scene. Maybe you've come across it. Maybe you've read it. Maybe you've thought about it, what it would look like. And maybe you thought that we would Maybe you thought we'd all sort of look alike. I know we're wearing white robes, but you may have thought that we're all gonna look alike. We're gonna be like the same size and the same shape and the same color. We'd all be the same. But God does something more glorious than that. That sort of color blindness is an affront to the artistry of God. Because God has created each and every one of us. Different sizes, different shapes, different colors. Hello, pasty white guy up here. (laughs) And he looks out and he sees beauty. He sees creativity. And so for us to all be the same color and the same shape and the same size and the same height, that's an affront to the artistry of God. That's, a, that's almost offensive to him that we would all be the same because when he looks out upon this multitude of people, he sees the diversity and he's glorified in it. All ethnicities will be distinct yet unified in Christ Jesus. All the different ethnicities, all of the different peoples of the world will be distinct, but they're gonna be unified under Jesus. And so what he does by bringing all of these together is far more beautiful than making us all the same. Scripture doesn't want us to be the same. If anything, we're gonna be different. We're gonna be recognizable. We know that we'll be recognizable but we'll have new upgraded versions of ourselves in these new heavenly bodies. Some of you are thinking, I hope I'm a little, you know, I got a little bit more definition. 
or maybe I'm a little, little, little darker shade. Just give me a little, give me, give me my summer color, you know? We're going to be upgraded versions of our, of our current selves, but we're going to be distinct. We're going to be different. The diversity that is within us is going to be glorified and manifested, and that's going to glorify God. This beautiful worship scene is a mix of not only cultures and ethnicities, but styles and preferences as well. And this massive throng of people, get this, there's not the slightest hint of bigotry, ethnocentrism, prejudice, or racism. Of the 11,243 groups in the world, each is present and represented in this picture. Of the 3,056 people groups currently unengaged who don't have access to the gospel, each is represented in this picture. Of the 3.7 billion persons still not having an adequate opportunity to hear the gospel, the Lamb is reaching out and calling unto himself by the Spirit and through his people. The gospel is going to be heard all around the world, okay? Not in just your little corner of Northwest Houston. The gospel is going to be heard all around the world among all peoples of the earth and the nations will rejoice. The nations will worship the North Americans, the South Americans, the Europeans, the Russians, the South Asians, the Haitians, the South Pacific, the North Atlantic, from Zimbabwe to Zambia, from Australia to Afghanistan, from Costa Rica to Cambodia, and all the nations will worship the Lord, and they will say amen, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. You missed your shouting moment right there. <laughs> Want me to do it one more time? Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This is my prayer for CFCC, that we would be a diverse people a diverse people, that as we look around, that different ethnicities are represented, different cultures are represented. Is it just about color? No, it's more than color. That we would look out and we'd see different socioeconomic boundaries broken down. We'd see different political views broken down. That this place wouldn't be exclusive and homogenized and indistinguishable, but this place would be a kaleidoscope of colors and cultures and views and financial situations. And people would walk into this place and they would, see, they would say, what in the world is going on here? Because there ain't no way or no reason all these people 
would gather together. Why are all of these people together worshiping? And we would all look at one another and we'd look at that person and we'd say, it's because of Jesus. And there are places on earth, we must recognize this, there are places on earth where it's not possible for them to be diverse, churches to be diverse, in locations and places where that's not possible. But you're sitting in a pew in Houston, Texas. You're sitting in a pew in Houston, Texas, which is not only the most racially and ethnically diverse metropolitan city in the state, but in the United States. In the top 10 biggest metropolitan cities in the United States, Houston, Texas is number one, the most ethnically and racially diverse city. I grew up in a diverse church. I grew up at a church, um, actually, uh, inner city church here in Houston. And uh, we had, it was a really crazy mix. It, It used to be all Anglo but over time started to change and shift and we had, we had uh, it was a group of people that our pastor invited and over time we had a large portion of our congregation was Cambodian. It, came, it was crazy to be mixing it up with these people. In fact, I learned some Cambodian. I'll teach you some Cambodian. Would you like to learn some Cam- Cambodian? Numpe, say numpe. Numpe. You know Cambodian now. That means two cookies. <laughs> it does. It means two cookies. At VBS, we'd go up to the snack, you know, in the fellowship hall, and we'd say, Numbe, two cookies. So now you know Cambodian. You're speaking in tongues now. This is awesome. Actually, I'm not, it's been a long time. I'm not sure that's what that means. <laughs> I know that that's how I've said it for the last, like, 30 years, but I'm not... So don't repeat it. I might have taught you a Cambodian cuss word or something. But my hope is that CFCC would embrace this reality. We are a diverse church, okay? I'm, I want to acknowledge that. When people do come to CFCC, they go, wow, this is, there is some diversity here. All I'm saying is we want more. I want more diversity. How many of you speak a different language uh, than English? Language besides English. Yeah, a, a couple. Let, let's just hear this for a second. I, this, is totally, this is totally a gamble here. I don't know how many there are going to be. But if you know the name of Jesus in another language, shout it out. Say that again. I don't think that was... Clay, do you speak Japanese? (laughs) He's trying to pull one over on us. But how cool would it be to have all of these different ethnicities and cultures and people groups gathering together to worship Jesus here, representing our city, representing our area. My hope is that CFCC would embrace this reality that's in Revelation chapter seven and live toward it and lean into it and to embrace it. And if this vision makes you uncomfortable, I don't know what to tell you because it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. 
we're going to be worshiping with all of the redeemed from all corners of the earth. And you know what? It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter where you're from because we're all going to lift up a shout together and worship the Lord. And so if you're uncomfortable with this vision, you might as well start practicing now and get ready for eternity. Again, it's not just about color. It's not just about race. It's not about ethnicity. It also means being multi-generational. To seeing the blessing of youthfulness and also the blessing of, of a life lived and all the wisdom that comes from that. Having no boundaries economically, politically, musical style. Does it have anything to do with musical style? Of course it does. Of course it does. And as we see the gospel more clearly, our openness to one another and to the adversity in the church should be a natural byproduct. As heat radiates from a fire, inevitably, unity in diversity flows from the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm running out of time here. And so I want to move on. And I want you to consider this quickly. The people in this scene in Revelation chapter 7 were saved by faith in Jesus, but they arrived in different ways. They all arrived, they all got to this place in different ways. Now, how did they get there? Think about this. How did these people get to this moment? They didn't get there on their own. Maybe some of them did. But they got there because their neighbors shared their faith. They got there because their coworkers were praying for them. They got there because a student shared his faith on a college campus. They got there because an athlete was sharing the gospel in a locker room. And notice something here. What happens when the people of God stand before God in his presence? What happens when they stand before the throne of God? What is their response? They cry out. When you stand in the presence of God, when you see God, when you experience God, you cannot remain silent. There's no option but for it to flow out of you in a shout of praise. And if you really comprehend the pit from which Christ has pulled you from, you can't be quiet about it. Jesus teaches us He's in the parable of the debtors, he says in Luke 7, he says, he who has been forgiven much loves much. When you've been forgiven a lot, you love a lot. You're not ashamed of the gospel, Paul reminds us in Romans chapter one. The volume of our praise is directly proportional to the magnitude of the hell from which he's pulled you from. And so if he's saved you from a little hell, if that's the way you see it, your worship will be small. But if he has redeemed you, if he has delivered you, if he has rescued you, if he has pulled you out of a hell beyond anything that you know here on this 
earth, then you give him the highest praise and say, behold, the Lamb of God. And so it's time for us, it's time for us to speak up. It's time for us to stop being silent. If you stand in the presence of God, if you are standing before him in Christ Jesus, redeemed, saved, washed clean, it's time to speak up. Our worship services can be powerful. Our Bible studies can be informational. But if we're not taking the gospel to the streets, taking it to the people around us, inviting them to our life groups, inviting them to to share a cup of coffee and to pray with them, sharing our testimony, sharing what Christ has done in our lives. If we're not doing that, then what good are all of these other things? They're of no use. God says in Amos, he says, take away from me the noise of your songs to the melody of your harps. I will not listen, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. God wants us to be living out our faith. And so it's time for each of us to take a step in our discipleship, to step out into an uncomfortable place. So who, I'm just gonna ask you right now, who are you gonna share your faith with this week? Who are you gonna share your faith with this week? And I'm not talking about handing out a testament from Lifeway, okay? I'm not talking about uh, saying God bless you instead of Gesundheit. That's not the kind of witnessing I'm talking about. I'm talking about you looking for an opportunity to talk about the transformational power of Jesus and how it has impacted your life and sharing it with another person. That's what I'm talking about. And so God knows we need a grander vision of the church. We've gotten complacent. He knows we need a grander vision of the church, and so he gave us this in Revelation 7. This scene paints a picture of the glory that God intends for the church. Believers coming together across all of these different national, political, economical, racial, generational lines, waving these palm branches of victory and celebrating Christ. This can only happen in the church, by the way. Nowhere else in history, in the history of the world, have divisions been knocked down like they've been knocked down through Jesus Christ. Paul says in Galatians, he says, there's neither Jew or Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so if the church with a capital C is gonna grow, then we must not remain silent. We must reach out to one another. If CFCC is going to grow, then we can't remain silent. We've got to stop being quiet. We've got to rise up from our sleep. The gospel compels us to share it, to cry aloud with our words and deeds, the transformative power in Christ Jesus. My prayer is that you would you'd take this to heart. You'd see the urgency that's found in the book of Revelation, that it would stir in you, that you would see the places in your discipleship that you need to grow, that you need to be challenged, that you would see that Jesus is watching and looking for us to bear fruit in our lives. If you abide in him, the vine, 
then you are bearing fruit in your life. And if not, if not, then you really need to consider, you really need to consider who you're following. Are you following Jesus or are you following the world? And my prayer is that Cypher Christian Church would be a trailer of Revelation 7, that people would come in here and they'd get sort of a preview of what's gonna happen at the end when all of the redeemed marked by the blood of the of the Lamb are standing before the risen Christ. And that we would be a people that reflect the beauty and the diversity seen here and that we would be a people who cannot remain silent because we have stood before the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you here today and we just, Lord, we thank you for this image that you've given us it seems so far off. So Lord, we ask that you would give us an, an urgency that you would stir within us a, an expectancy of this and it would cause us to live out the gospel in our lives, to be intentional about sharing the gospel, to be intentional about discipling others to be intentional about our own spiritual maturity, applying what we're learning about Jesus, that we would be a people, this church would be a people that are bearing fruit in their lives. And part of that fruit would be grace toward one another, that we'd be able to embrace diversity, whether it's a different culture or different ethnicity or different socioeconomic background or different political view or even if they're cowboy fans, Lord, we pray that you would give us the grace, Father to accept one another, to love one another, that as we see the gospel more clearly, that, that unity in diversity would flow out. And Lord, we pray that you would give us a burden for the lost. Give us a name, Lord, a person within our realm of influence that we can share the gospel with. And we pray, Father, that you would give us opportunities. And when those opportunities occur, Lord, we would be ready because we'd be watching and we'd be anticipating. And you would give us the mouth, the the words to speak by your spirit. And that these people would find grace and mercy and salvation in the name of Jesus. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So Lord, we we ask that you would give us an urgency in those areas. Lord, we pray that this church would continue to glorify you as we continue to grow in these areas, that this community would find itself better because of 9730 Grant Road, that we would not be people who are dying on the vine, but people who are bearing fruit and it's multiplying not only through geography, but through, through time and generations, that because of what happens within the people at Cypher Christian Church, Lord, generations come to know you. Give us that vision. Give us a grander vision, Lord. And we look forward to the day where we're standing with this multitude in the presence of the Lamb, saying glory and honor and blessing and power and wisdom and might be to the Lord our God forever and ever. Amen. We can't wait for that day. So come, Lord Jesus. But until that day, Lord, we will be ready and we will be bearing fruit. We praise your name. In the name of your Savior, amen. 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 We get to celebrate 
communion, just like we do every single Sunday here at Cypher Christian Church. The Lord's Supper, central to what we do, a reminder of the grace that we've received and a reminder of the grace that we give to one another. We take communion by dipping, so there'll be the, the, the pears up here at the front. You know, take the piece of bread and dip it into the cup and receive that grace, taste that grace and be mindful of how you can in turn give that grace to someone else. I invite you to come forward as our communion prayer partners come to the front. And while they do, I'm just, I'm just gonna pray one more time and, and bless this time that we have at the table. Father, we do thank you uh, for this table that you've set for us. We thank you for the blessing that it is to us, a reminder each week. And Lord, we pray that as we receive this grace that we would um, not only be reminded of the forgiveness and the mercy that we find in Jesus and the, man, the, the miry clay that he has pulled us from, but that we would be people um, who freely give that grace and that mercy and that forgiveness. Lord, I pray that we would, we would see where you pulled us from. And as your word says, for those who have been forgiven much, love much, I pray that we're people who love much. Lord, bless this time, this sacred time, a reminder of what you've done for us. And we pray that as we take of this meal, that it honors you. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to come forward. Our prayer partners are gonna continue to be up here. They're available here in the front and in the back as well. They're gonna be available even after the service, if you'd rather. They wanna pray with you. That's what, they've, that's what they're passionate about. That's what they've been trained for. And they want to, to pray for you, for your needs. I want to invite you, if you don't know the risen lamb, the one who has cleansed and washed us of our sins, I want to invite you to place your faith in Jesus. History is headed toward a moment where we will all stand before the lamb to be judged. And if you haven't accepted and placed your faith in Jesus Christ, we invite you to do that today and know peace and grace and forgiveness and comfort like nothing else in this world can provide. And we invite you to be a part of that and to grow with our family of believers here at Cypher Christian Church. If you have any prayers that you want to, you need prayer for or to intercede on behalf of someone else, Please come forward. If you want to make a decision today for Christ, we invite you to, to do that. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. 
Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Amen. 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 Go in peace.